Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live around the world, this is The Ryan Lindsay Show. Phone lines are open to speak with Ryan or any of his guests at 319-527-6702 or email Ryan. The email address is ryan at ryanlindsayshow.com. Now, here's Ryan Lindsay. Live from the beautiful Northwoods of Wisconsin, I am Ryan Lindsay on a Monday edition of the Ryan Lindsay Show. Very glad to have you with us. We've got a good show for you tonight. We're going to talk about living your uncommon and extraordinary life. We talk on this show a lot about being stuck and just kind of feeling like you're in a rut. We're going to talk with Terry Tucker today about uh, how to get out of that, how to still lead an uncommon and extraordinary life. Uh, So uh, if you'd like to join us, feel free to give a call. 319-527-6702 is the number to call. We'd be happy to uh, have you join us. Without any further ado, I have to introduce my co-host, Tamara Gleason. And Tamara, are you in Wisconsin or Nashville now? Every day you're somewhere different. I'm in Wisconsin. Oh, You're still in Wisconsin. I, 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 I just saw you a few days ago, and I haven't gone anywhere. Yes, I am still in the lovely state of Wisconsin, and um, it, it, it finally snowed here. Did you guys we get got some, some up snow. north? I, we got some up this north. Yeah, I was driving it last yeah. night, and yeah, there were cars yeah, tipped over, and everybody gets another drive. Oh, oh, really? It's weird how everybody forgets how to drive from here to here here in the great state of Wisconsin. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I had a great nap today. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I had a very, very busy weekend. <laughs> I had an incredibly Good. busy weekend, um, at, you know, shopping with my Christmas shopping with my ex-husband, my, my 20 some daughters. And it was, it was a lot of work, you know, cause you got to get in, you got to get out, you try to, you know, a lot more work shopping these days. Um, but, yeah, so I allowed myself <laughs> to have the morning off and sleep in a little bit. So I'm feeling jazzed about tonight's show. Oh, yeah, me too. This this is going to be one that uh, is is very inspirational. At the end, I think we're, we're going to be, we're going to feel like we've uh, we've been inspired by Terry. This is going to be a good one. Well, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We definitely, you know, we, we just had lunch the other day. And uh, I think we can both use it, right? It, we need a little inspiration in the cold state of Wisconsin to push through these energies. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's get right to it. Terry Tucker has been a NCAA Division One college basketball player. He's been a Citadel cadet, a marketing executive, a hospital administrator, an undercover narcotics investigator. He's been a SWAT team hostage negotiator, a high school basketball coach, a business owner, a motivational speaker, an author, and most recently, a cancer warrior. In 2019, Terry started the website Motivational Check to help others find and lead their uncommon and extraordinary lives. He is also the author of Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Very glad to welcome Terry Tucker to the show. Terry, how are you? I'm great, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. This is going to be fun. Now, as as you know, as I read here, you've got a quite a diverse background, uh, an eclectic mix, if you will. Tell us your story. Um, what uh, what brought you up to today, and what brought you up to uh, writing the book? Yeah, it, well, listening to you talk about all the different things I've done, it's kind of going to be one of these things where sooner or later I'm going to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life, right? You know, yeah, I, I mean, I've yeah, had all, all these different, you know, suit and tie kind of jobs to, as you know, you were a police officer, you know what that's like and things like that. So I, I'll give you a, a 
kind of a brief background of myself. I was born and raised uh, in Chicago. I'm the oldest of three boys. I'm six foot eight. And as you mentioned, I played basketball at the Citadel. I have a brother that's six foot seven who pitched for Notre Dame. And I have another brother who's six foot six who was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in 1983. And then my dad was 6'5". So if you sat behind our family in church growing up, there wasn't a prayer <laughs> chance you were going to see anything that was going on whatsoever. But, what a dynamic um, family. Excuse me? I said, what a dynamic, dynamic family. I mean, your mother must have been, <laughs> Wow. Well, my mom was the boss. You know, that's always the way it works. And, and sure. to this day still is the boss in that. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, so athletics, specifically basketball, was an important part of my life growing up. And as you mentioned, I attended the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, <clears throat> excuse me, on a basketball scholarship, despite having three knee surgeries in high school. Um, after college, I moved home to find a job. This was uh, a time long before the Internet was available. And I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, and I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. You know, I look back on that and think what a what a knucklehead I was. You know, I, I knew absolutely nothing. You know, I had this great degree but knew nothing about life. Fortunately, I was able to find that that first job. I was in the the marketing department of uh, Wendy's International, the hamburger chain in Dublin, Ohio. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mother care for my grandmother and my father, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. My wife and I have been married for 27 years, and our only child, a daughter, is a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is a lieutenant in uh, the Space Force, the newly created Space wow. Force. So, oh, yeah, wow. she uh, – it, it, It's pretty neat, you know, it, it, but conversations <laughs> with it. her are very short because – Everything she does is top secret. You know, how was work today? I can't talk about it. Okay, good talking to you. See you later. Bye. You know, right, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know it's good when it's classified, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, when you can't talk about it, you know you've got a pretty cool job in that. So I'm like, what do I tell people? She's like, well, just tell people I fly satellites, and that's all, that's all they need to know. So that's, that's oh. what I know. She flies satellites. So it's, okay. uh, it's, it's pretty right. cool, and we're extremely proud of her. So, Congratulations. Uh, but, Thank you. Thank you. I, I, you know, people always congratulate my wife and I, but we always say that, you know, she did all the heavy lifting on it and stuff. So we're, we're extremely proud of her. Yeah. The foundation is everything now. It it is. It is. I think you got to be there. You got to love them. You know, you got to let them make mistakes and things like that. And, and, and we were, I can't tell you how happy we were, you know, the day she walked across that stage, got her diploma and shook hands with the president of the United States. So you know, that, that, wow. was, that was a pretty big deal for us. So Amazing. I believe it. It is. It is. So that's pretty much, in a nutshell, kind of my background in terms of who I am, where I've been, and uh, based on what you said in terms of all my jobs, I, like I said, i got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life eventually here. So, um, <laughs> so he says if, that. if it's... <laughs> You talk about the principles in your book. Uh, again, it's Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. And the first principle, enjoy your life. And I think with, with, all, with your background, it sounds like you've been enjoying your life. You, you know, I have. I, I have uh, I've always felt that my calling was to be in law enforcement. And my grandfather was a Chicago police officer from 1924 to 1954. So, you know, he was in Chicago during the heyday of prohibition and the gangsters and Al Capone and all the, all the things that, you know, we, we kind of think of Chicago back in the twenties and the thirties. And he was actually shot in the line of duty with his own weapon, taking a murder suspect back to the lockup after being questioned. And my dad always um, remembered the stories that his mom told about the command staff knocking on the door and saying, hey, Mrs. Tucker, please grab your son and and come with us. Your husband's been shot. So my dad was diametrically opposed to me ever being in law enforcement. And I, um, as I mentioned, when I got out of college, my my dad developed cancer shortly after that. And and I really wanted to be in law enforcement, but he didn't want me to do it. So so I did what every good son did. I I, I waited until he passed away to to pursue my dreams. (laughs) And I didn't become... (laughs) 
yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny, but it's true. And, and sometimes I get mad at myself for doing that. You know, I, I knew what I wanted to do and I should have, I should have pushed more for what I believed in. And, you know, I became a rookie police officer at the age of 37. So, you know, chasing bad guys and stuff like that. And I, I wasn't a spring chicken anymore to do that, but it was a job that I absolutely positively loved. But, but as you said, I've had numerous jobs in my life and, um, you know, from, from the Wendy's job, I went into healthcare administration where I met my wife. We moved to, to California and I found an ad in the Santa Barbara, um, local newspaper. And it was, a, it was an ad for a course offered by Santa Barbara city college to become a reserve police officer. So one night at dinner, you know, I'm asking my wife who's only known me as a suit and tie, you know, eight to five Monday through Friday kind of guy. Hey hon, I'd like to take this course. What do you think? And, and she's always been incredibly supportive. So she said, go for it. And so I, so I did, and I took the course, I passed, I, I got on with Santa Barbara PD as a reserve officer. So I would work my regular job all week, come home Friday night, change into my uniform, go to roll call, work 10 or 12 hours, you know, with, with a regular officer in a car and come home exhausted. But as my wife would say, beaming. And so when our daughter was born in Santa Barbara, we moved back to the Midwest. We're both from the Midwest. And I, I looked at her one day and I said, I think I want to do this for a living. And God love her. She, you know, she was like, then go for it. If, if this is your dream, then go ahead and do that. And, and I did. And, and I, I, I don't regret it. You know, I, I as you said, I, I got on, I, I became a, a beat officer after I got out of, uh, of the academy. Uh, I then moved into undercover narcotics. I became a, uh, a SWAT hostage negotiator, which would probably be a whole nother show in and of itself, but uh, sure. it was a lot of fun. And uh, then eventually became a, a sergeant. And my wife is the primary breadwinner. And so she lost her job in Cincinnati and we had to move. And so I had to give up what I love so much. And, you know, you, you, you do what you have to do for your family. And so that's, that's what I did. I, I gave it up and I started a school security consulting business in uh, Houston, Texas, where we moved uh, after Cincinnati. And I also coached girls high school basketball, which is, is kind of where the whole cancer situation kinda sort of takes its turn uh, in mm-hmm. my life. Sure. Well, tell us about that. What happened? So uh, 2012, here I am, you know, I, high school basketball coach. So I'm on my feet a lot. I have a callus break open on the bottom uh, of my foot, right underneath my third toe. I don't think anything of it. I'm on my feet all day coaching and that. And when it didn't heal after a few weeks, I went to a a podiatrist friend of mine who did the normal things, you know, put pads in my shoes and things like that. And and when that didn't work, you know, he kind of looked at it a little bit further and said, "You you might have a cyst in there, which I did. And so he ended up cutting it out, showed it to me, you know, no big deal. Been practicing for 25 years, seen thousands of these, but I'll send it off to pathology, put a couple stitches in it. You'll be good as new in two weeks. Great. Two weeks later, I get a call from him. And like I said, he had been a friend of mine and we had a very good relationship. So the more difficult it became for him to talk to me, the more frightened that I became. And pretty much he laid it out. He said, you have a very rare form of melanoma that, um, you know, most of us think of melanoma as a, as a mole on our skin or, 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 you know, we've been out in the sun had some kind of some sun damaged and, and caused melanoma. Well, there's a second kind of melanoma, which is what I have, which appears on the bottom of your feet or the palms of your hands. And that's incredibly rare. There's only about 6,500 people in the U S that are diagnosed with that form of melanoma every year. And then there's even a third kind which appears in the mucous membrane. So in your nose or your mouth or something like that. So he told me, he said, you know, I've been practicing for 25 years. As I said, he said, I've never seen this form of cancer. And I think you should go to MD Anderson, which is probably the, the world renowned premier cancer hospital in the world to be treated. So that's what I did. I had two surgeries to eliminate lymph nodes in my groin. And I had a skin graft to close the wound where the cancer had been removed. After I healed, I was put on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon 
to help keep the disease from coming back. Now, interferon for me was a horrible, nasty, debilitating drug. And I took those weekly injections for four years and seven months before the medication became so toxic to my body that I ended up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which usually is not oh. compatible with yeah, with being alive. Fortunately, I ended right. up at a level one trauma center emergency room who kind of stabilized me and got me to the ER. But during all those weeks and, and years that I was taking interferon, it gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days after each injection. I lost 50 pounds during my therapy. I, I used to joke that I was so skinny that I could probably go hang gliding on a Dorito. Um, you know, it, it was, you know, I, I have to laugh at this disease as, as I will, as we go through this, but you know, yeah. I had flu like symptoms. I was constantly nauseous. I was fatigued. I was chilled. Even my ability to taste food diminished and my body continually ached. And this misery went on for over 1,660 days. And one thing I learned during all my pain and suffering is that you have two choices. You can succumb to debilitating discomfort and misery, or you can learn to embrace it and use it to make you a stronger and more determined human being. I chose the latter. And I want your listeners to understand that there were days I felt so poorly and I was in so much agony that I literally prayed to die. I just wanted out of this life. Each day was a struggle to use my mind to override the apathy and the distress that my body was feeling. And I realized that pain and discomfort can beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. But I also came to appreciate that I could use my pain and suffering to make me a stronger and more determined individual. I was no better at dealing with pain and discomfort than the next person, but every day I found a way to survive with the knowledge that I'd need to do it again the following morning. Unfortunately, this isn't a feel-good story. I, I wish this was, you know, man gets cancer, man conquers cancer. For me, that hasn't been the experience. Um, the melanoma that had plagued me for over six years once I went off the interferon came back in 2017, and eventually my only treatment option was the amputation of most of my left foot, which occurred in January of 2018. The cancer returned in 2019, requiring two additional surgeries, and then earlier this year, an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle grew large enough to fracture my tibia, my shin bone, which resulted in the amputation of my leg above the knee. And then further testing found that the cancer had metastasized to both of my lungs, and I'm currently undergoing uh, treatment for those tumors in a clinical trial. However, my doctors, uh, they're not real optimistic about my long-term longevity, but I refuse to be a victim of this malignancy. I vowed to continue my fight. I knew the only way that cancer could win is if I gave up or I gave in to the disease. And I understand what it's like to fight for your life. And the one thing I've learned is that as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. But I also came to appreciate that the responsibility for altering your life is entirely up to you. Whining and complaining and blaming others for your circumstances will not enhance your experience. And this applies to, you know, this doesn't have to be something as, as life-threatening as cancer with me. This can apply to any stressful situation in, our, in your life. You can use these tactics to, you know, to lose weight, to get in better shape. You can use them to become a better student or employee or even develop deeper and more long-lasting relationships. You know, I think a lot of people would, would a lot of people would think, uh, you know, you, you've been a police officer, you've been a hospital administrator, you've been an officer you, you, and, and all these things. Do you ever get get mad at the circumstances? Do you, do you ever just get mad at, at, at God, uh, so to speak, uh, and, and wonder why, why me? No, you know, I, and I, I never did. And I made a decision very early on that, yeah, I had a bad break, but um, – I wasn't going to take that break out on a nurse or a doctor or a therapist or anybody that was trying to help me or, or assist me. You know, I don't, I don't, I, not, not even close to, I ever think that God said, Hey, I think I'll give Terry Tucker cancer today. I, I don't, I don't believe that to the, at all. There's a reason that, that this happened. And 
I, I, I really kind of believe in, in my heart now that with whatever time that I have left, that, that I want to help people find and, and live their purpose. I recall a, a quote from Mark Twain who said that the two most important days of our lives are the day that we're born and the day we figure out why. When I speak with groups, I often ask this question, do you have any idea why you were put on this earth? And sometimes I'll even take that a step further and I'll ask, do you know why you were born at this time? You know, why weren't you born 4,000 years ago or 25,000 years in the future? There's a reason that you were born. And that reason involves finding and living your purpose. I believe that we are all destined to live an uncommon and extraordinary life. And that has nothing to do with what type of job we have, how much money we make, you know, what kind of house we live in, what kind of car we drive, et cetera. We are not all born with the same gifts and talents, but we all have the ability to become the best person that we're capable of becoming. The problem is, is that most people take an unintentional approach to living. And by living a casual life, their dreams, their goals, their aspirations, they become a casualty of that unplanned living. I've had plenty of time to think about my own death during the number of years that I've had cancer. And after I die, I can't imagine standing in the presence of our creator, whoever or whatever you believe that entity to be, and being unable to account for the gifts and the talents that I was born with and that I didn't use to make the world a better place. You know, Ryan, you know, as a police officer and, and with a number of years I've had cancer, I have, you probably too, seen many people die. And it's sure. been my experience that the people who die what we would probably call peaceful deaths are those people who utilize their time on this earth to find and live their purpose. On the other hand, many of the people who I've observed go kicking and screaming from this world, who wanted a, you know, another day, another month, or another year, those were people who never did anything with their lives. They never saw the urgency of living their uncommon and extraordinary purpose. They never took a chance on their dreams. They never took the time to figure out who they were, why they were here, and what they were supposed to do with their life. It's been said that the wealthiest places on earth are cemeteries because their areas rich in businesses never started, books never written, relationships never pursued, and dreams never realized. There's a, a Native American Blackfoot proverb that I heard years ago that I just love, and it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. The only way to find your purpose is to search it out to try things that make you uncomfortable, to fight against the status quo, to experience things that basically scare you. Finding your why or your purpose is essential because it's the reason that you were born. And the only way to discover that reason is to be open to it and search for it with your heart. Do you find that too many of us are just living, are, are living in fear and, and being insecure? I do, you know, it, and I kind of think, let's take that a step further. You know, your, your purpose, why don't, why doesn't everyone, you know, find their purpose and live it? There's an impediment to living our uncommon and extraordinary life. And that, that impediment, that obstacle is us. You know, we know this, we know our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure to so our minds. The status quo is comfortable and familiar and should be left alone. Let's, let's just take an example of, say, somebody looking for a new job. We all know people who are stuck in dead-end positions. These people should have been working somewhere else years ago, but for some reason they stay put. Why is that? I'd suggest it's because every time they decide to find new employment, their brain kicks in and starts pointing out all the reasons that they should stay put. You know, things like, hey, you're making good money and, you know, you're accustomed to the routines here and the work's pretty easy. And you know what? You go somewhere else, you may not get along with your coworkers at that company. Whatever the reason to the brain, a new job presents all types of uncertainty and uncomfortableness. If you're in a position that you can't stand and it would make sense for you to explore new opportunities, you're you on making that change. The problem with most people, and, and I de dedicated a whole chapter in my book to this, 
the problem with most people, and I've done this, is they think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. We don't like to live in an uncomfortable state, but that's the only place where real growth can occur. As I mentioned, when I was a high school basketball coach, I used to always remind my players that they needed to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. As such, I'd move players in and out of drills in practice that I knew caused them anxiety. I wanted them to be uneasy, not because I was trying to get them to fail, just the opposite, because I was trying to get them to realize that they could succeed at something that made them apprehensive. The only way we can grow, the only way we can push past our comfort zones is to do what we find unpleasant and undesirable. It's in those painful, challenging, and let's face it, sometimes embarrassing moments that real growth can occur. Now, I'm really going to date myself here, so please bear with me. But back in 1976, (laughs) the U.S. gold medal winning Olympic swimmer Shirley Babishoff had one of the greatest quotes that I ever heard. And this is what she said. She said, winners think about what they want to happen and losers think about what they don't want to happen. Winners can override their brains. Yeah. And focus on the things they want to occur. Losers focus on the negative aspects of competition and they can't see the positive qualities of pursuing a goal or a dream. Most people will never get to where they want to be because they won't stop whining and complaining about where they're at. If you want to lead an uncommon and extraordinary life, the only way to make that happen is to embrace the uncomfortable and continue to do the things that you don't like and that you don't want to do. To become successful, your purpose has to be bigger than your pain. And I try to put this in a, in a kind of neat little package that, that I think most people can understand. If you were to go to a gym and pick up a 10-pound weight and do 10 arm curls, but you didn't find that movement difficult, then your muscle's never going to grow. However, if you go to that same gym, pick up that same 10-pound weight, and do arm curls until you exhaust your muscle and can't do another repetition, then you're stressing that muscle. And as a result, it will grow and get stronger. That same tactic works with your mind. If you stress your mind by doing uncomfortable things, it will grow, it will develop, and you will become a stronger individual. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Talking with uh, Terry Tucker, his book is Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. You know, I always say that I learn best from my mistakes. Uh, early on, you know, before I got involved in, in law enforcement, I was I was in radio in, in Iowa. And I remember the program director coming to me one day and saying, well, Ryan, how'd your show go today? I said, well, I, I could have done better. It wasn't so great. But I guess if I don't have the bad days, I can't eventually have the good days. And he, he couldn't understand what I meant by that. But I, I, I said, I, I, I got to get these out of my system. I got to figure out what doesn't work, and then I'll eventually figure out what does work. I'm, I'm, I figured I was learning from my mistakes. you find that that's the best way to go through, through life? You know, I do. And, and I, that's, that's another chapter in my book is, is, to, is to fail and to fail often, especially when you're young. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. can, you can get away with a whole lot of things when you're younger than you can when you're a little bit more established and have a family and things like that. So, I, I mean, I, I really do. I, I, I think the reason that, that we're held back has everything to do with, with really what's going on in our head. But, but we continually look to place blame um, on things external for our lack of success. You know, we want to blame our parents or our teachers or our status in life. You know, most people never want to take responsibility for their own success and happiness. And, and I, I, I remember when I was a little kid and, and I was a big fan of John Wooden, who was uh, probably the, the coach K Mike Krzyzewski of his time uh, at UCLA. His teams won seven national champion, national championships in a row. And he had one of the greatest um, definitions of success that I've ever had. And this is what he said success was. He said, success is peace of mind which is a direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing that you did the best to become the best that you're capable of becoming. Nowhere in there does it say anything about winning. And, you know, and before he became a great coach, he had to, as you say, you know, 
you, 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 when you started out in broadcasting, you had to cut your teeth. You had to figure out what worked, you know, for Ryan Lindsay and what didn't work for Ryan Lindsay. And when you do that and you're willing to do that and you're willing to put stuff out there and, and come away and say, mm, that worked today. You know, I don't, I don't think that's the way I should go. I should go in this direction. That's the only way you're going to grow. That's the only way you got to the point where you are right now by failing, admitting the failures, learning from those failures, and then moving on to something else that you thought was, you know, this is, this is the direction that I need to go or the path that I need to go. I'm I'm sure you noticed the same thing when you got into law enforcement, you got to make those mistakes early on to get better and improve and figure out how people tick and how people work and what is going to work with a person in a given situation, because you never know what you're going to deal with every day. You're, you're right. And, And I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest impediments to, I think, young officers right now. I mean, Young people today, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a huge, broad brush here, they can't talk to people. And yeah. you and I both know as, as cops, you know, you need to be able to talk to the person who's, you know, living in the mansion, and you need to be able to talk to the person who's homeless on the street. If you can do that, you're going to be a good cop because you, you can elicit things from people um, because they'll trust you. And, and I'm not, and I'm not saying it's a false sense of trust that, you know, you're trying to get people, you know, to trust you and things like that, but being able to talk to people is an art. And it, and it's, I think with, with technology and with, you know, cell phones and we're, we're willing to text people all day long, but we can't sit down and have a conversation with them. I, I remember when our, when our daughter, our daughter got my height, she's six foot two. And so that's why, she went to the bat, to the Air Force Academy to play basketball, and when she made that decision, there were several other coaches, several other schools that were in on her trying to get her to, to come to their school. So when she made the decision to go to the Air Force Academy, I said, well, you need to, to call those and let them know. And she said, well, I'll just send them a text. I said, no, no, you won't. You're going to call them. And she's like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not very good with that. I'm like, okay then we'll role play, you know, we'll pretend that I'm the coach and, you know, and we'll, and we did, and, and we got comfortable with that. And, and the thing that I found hilarious was there were, you know, some division two or division three schools, some much smaller schools that the coaches were mad at her because she got an opportunity to one play division one basketball and two, you know, to get an unbelievable education at a place like the air force Academy, you know, it's like, why would you be mad for a kid? Why, why wouldn't you be, you want what's good for your, your kids, whether they're, whether they're your kids on your team, your, your player or other kids, you know, you want what's good for them. And I, I I told her, I said, you know, some of these, these coaches actually yelled at her. And I I said, you know what, that, that just goes to show you that the type of character or the lack of character that those individuals had and probably shows you that you made the right choice. Absolutely. Right. You know, you had mentioned earlier about talking with the person in the in the mansion as well as the homeless person. I always had the the philosophy that uh, I always wanted to remain cu- curious about both of those people and ask questions of both those people to make sure they know I'm listening to them. I, I think that that was very important to to give them the impression, well, as was the true impression, that I was listening to them, wanted to solve their problem and help them out. Absolutely. And, and I, I found that um, when I went to the drug unit, the, the, the two best assignments in the Cincinnati Police Department were homicide and, and the street corner unit, which was our drug unit. So I was very, very lucky, very fortunate to get into that unit. Um, and, and we did a lot of street level um, sales and things like that. But we also got to work with the DEA and the FBI and things like that on, on different cases that they had. But I always liked to be the one who filled out the arrest slip, you know, with the, with the guy in the back of the car, because like you, I, I want, tell me your story. You know, how did you get here? And, and the thing that I found after talking to people, especially young minority men is that, you know, you're 25 years old. You, you now are going to have a felony conviction on your record, but to them it didn't matter because they didn't think they were going to live to be 30. You know, when you don't have goals, when you don't have dreams, when you don't have aspirations, it's like, you know what, live large today because tomorrow another dope dealer may come along and shoot me. 
and that'll be the end of me. So I'm just going to enjoy it, you know, the way it is, the way it is today. So I love talking to people. How'd you get here? You know, tell me about your parents. Tell me about, did you go to school? Why'd you drop out? What were you good at in school and things like that? And it, it always fascinated me how very smart individuals from a criminal perspective, it's like, man, you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you had a good operation <laughs> going here, you know, really. It's like, man, if you could have taken that and yeah. turned it into something that was productive, you could have oh, been yeah. very successful in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I think of hackers, computer hackers now. If, if they would put all of that time and effort into doing something productive to society that they do to hack into people's systems and computers and government and, and everything, they'd have a heck of an operation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, you and I both have seen people that are really intelligent but just got misdirected in where that intelligence went. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. You talk in the book about uh, that uh, you are the person you are looking to become. What do you mean by that? So I, I'm trying to. I'll try to boil this down a little bit. You, you know, we all want to. I, I want to be um, successful, and and I'll. I'm working on a, a kind of a, a sequel to Sustainable Excellence that kind of goes past successful to significant. Um, you and I um, and Tamara are all, we, we want to be successful in life. I don't think there's anybody that kind of, you know, kind of goes out there and says, you know, I, I, I don't want to be successful. I, I just want to be a bum. Everybody <laughs> wants to be successful, you know, but success is what we do. You know, you're, you're a successful police officer. You're a successful police chief. You're a successful radio personality, you know, Maybe I'm a successful author. Okay, that's fine. That's what we do. That's that's what that's an accomplishment we made. Significance goes to helping others. It and, and I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you can be successful and be significant. But I, I think it's more important in my mind to be significant. And and so you you know you you take that and you say okay, you know I want to be uh, I don't know, I want to be a police chief. Well, you're a rookie cop right now, but I want to be a police chief. If, you, if that's what you want, if that's your goal, if that's your desire, if that's your purpose or your why, then that's who you are. You're just not there yet. And so that's kind of what I mean by, you know, by, by that, that phrase that, you know, you are the person who you're looking to become. And, and if you can do that, you know, if, if you cannot quit, and, and I see that a lot because this this book was really born out of two conversations and it it was born out of a conversation with a former point guard that i had who um graduated went on to college and then she and her her boyfriend moved to colorado where i live and my wife and i have had dinner with them and stuff and and i texted her one day i said i'm really i'm really looking forward to watching you find and live your purpose and she kind of came back to me with well Coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea. No idea what your purpose is. That's something that you're going to have to search for to, and find. I mean, that's, that's life. That, I mean, I think that's what life should be for all of us. We're searching for that purpose. Once we find it, then we live that purpose. So I, I, that was really one, one uh, discussion. And then I had a, a basketball player from the Citadel reach out to me on LinkedIn and wanted to know, you know, what are the things I need to do to be not only successful, uh, you know, in business or whatever I choose to go into, but what I do outside of business, what do I need to do to be successful in life? And so I started thinking about that and started writing down some, some things and some ideas. And, and all of a sudden I had these 10 principles and I thought, you know what, I've got either a personal story of my own or a story of a friend of mine, or or somebody that I've read about or heard about, or, or or whatever, and and literally that's how the book was born. So I mean, I look at people. We all want to be something, and we're not there yet. So don't quit. And and one of the things that I reminded my point guard was that Colonel Harlan Sanders, who started Kentucky Fried Chicken, didn't start that business until after he retired. So, you know, I told her, I said, there are many people who, you know, 
they know immediately, you know, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to follow in my mom's business or my, or my dad's business. And then there are the rest of us who are like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think people, they, 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 they start out, I want to do, I want to find it, I want to find my person. Oh, geez, I'm just tired. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And they quit and they give up. And those are the common and the ordinary people in life. And common and ordinary people, those people do nothing with their lives. Sure. You know, I've had, I've had a lot of people on the show that have dealt with adversity and many with, with cancer and so forth. And the ones that are most memorable are the ones who, who are talking just like you are talking, who basically said at some point, I decided not to let this cancer take over my life. I'm going to, however much time I have left, I'm going to do what I can to help others. Uh, was there a point where you just decided that you were going to take control of, of this rather than have it control you? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a decision that anybody who faces a, a chronic or a terminal illness, which, I mean, let's face it, we're all going to at some point in time, uh, you know, life, life's terminal. And, and I always tell people this, you know, when they hear about my experience and my journey, you know, a lot of them just are like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry. You know, I, 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 it's not like you gave this to me. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and it's, you know, I always tell them everybody dies, but not everybody really lives. And I've, I've had a great life, and, and I hope it's not over. But, you know, you, you get to the point in your life where, you, you know, I'm sure it was the reason you got into law enforcement, certainly the reason I got into law enforcement. I wanted to help people. I wanted to make a Absolutely. difference. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, a, there's an interesting – I've always been a big fan of Westerns. Uh, when I was little, my mom and dad used to let me stay up late, and, and they, you know, I'd watch Gunsmoke or – or, or Maverick, or my favorite was Wild Wild West. Well, in 1993, you probably remember this, the movie Tombstone came out, and it starred sure. Val Kilmer as John Doc Holliday and, and Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who actually walked on the face of the earth. They're not, you know, made-up characters for the movie. And there's a scene in the end of that movie, at the, at the very end, where Doc, who was a dentist by trade, but pretty much was a, was a gambler and a card shark, is, is dying of tuberculosis in a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And, and Doc did die in that, cemetery, in that sanitarium, and he's buried in the, in the Glenwood Springs, uh, Colorado Cemetery. And Wyatt, who had pretty much been a lawman his whole life, at this point in the movie, is destitute. He has, he has no money, he has no job, he has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes... And, and he and Doc play cards just to pass the time. And the two men at this point are talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, I was in love with my cousin when I was young, and she joined a convent over the affair, but she's all that I ever wanted. And he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life, and get on with living yours. And I like that story because, you know, would I like to not have cancer? You bet. I would love not to have to have gone through, you know, all these amputation surgeries, whatever. But this is my life. These are the cards that I've been dealt, and I have to play them. How I play them is up to me. And I think, as you just alluded to, the way I want to play those cards is I want to help people. I want to help as many people as I can, whether that's through writing a book, whether that's through helping people who listen to, to shows like yours or, you know, whether that's just talking to people on the street or, or talking to nurses and doctors and stuff like that, whatever I can do with whatever time I have left, I'd like to make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. Terry Tucker, folks, um, we're talking about his book, Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. The website is uh, motivationalcheck.com. And, Terry, what do we find on the website? Um, So every day I have a thought or a quote for the day. And then every Monday I have the Monday morning motivational message. And then periodically I just put on there videos or stories that, that I come across. And and I realize people are busy, so I, I don't put a video up there that's usually more than, you know, 10 or 12 minutes. I don't put any, you know, 
reading what I put up there isn't going to be, you know, take you half an hour and things like that. And it's, it's interesting when I was, when I had my, my leg or my foot amputated, you know, I had a lot of time to heal and I was kind of um, where Wyatt Earp was in that story that I just told you. I, I really didn't know where I was going with my life. And every night I used to lay in bed and I would kind of look up at the ceiling and be like, you know, all right, God, where, where are we going? What, what, what are we doing here? And I was kind of hoping, you know, that the heavens would open and I would, you know, you will do this. And, you know, there, there's an old, there's an old Lily Tomlin joke that says, when we talk to God, it's called prayer. When God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia. So I guess I was kind of <laughs> glad that the, uh, the, the heavens didn't open up, but people started to suggest that, you know, you, you ought to do a blog, you ought to, you ought to do something like that. And, you know, and, and I'm old enough that I can barely turn on my cell phone in the morning. So a blog was something that was really daunting for me. But I, I started, you know, I, my, my, the original blog was four pages long, which took me about four months to do when I could have probably gone to my daughter and she would have done it in about 10 minutes. But, you know, I, I, I kept <laughs> searching things out and, and trying to, you know, to figure out what was going on. But I needed to come up with a name. And so I was like, well, you know, when I was in the police academy – we had a defensive tactics instructor that I think was one of the greatest guys in the world, but he used to tell us he would, he would make us bring photographs of the people that we loved to class. And when we were learning defensive tactics and things like that, he would make us look at those photographs because he believed, and, and I believe too, you'll fight harder for the people you love than you will fight for yourself. And he came up with this, this uh, title, motivational check. So we could be doing something as a class and somebody's just, they're having a tough day. You know, they're, they're, they're not getting it or, or they're, they're tired or they're, they're hurting. And, th- and they could just yell out motivational check. And the rest of us would answer with 84, which was our uh, recruit class number, just to let them know that, Hey, you're not alone, that we're all in this together. And, you know, you may be hurting right now, somebody else who maybe didn't yell out motivational check they're they're hurting too so so i i that's where the name came from and so i just put stuff on there as i as i come across it that i think will will inspire or motivate or just help people to have a better day i like that i like that i i tell my kids all the time that uh um and it just that basically if you ask a question in class, chances are somebody else was going to have that same question. They just didn't have the guts to ask it like you did. And I think that same thing with motivational check, somebody yells out motivational check. Maybe there's somebody else who, who needs the, the pick me up at the same time there, but just didn't have the guts to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I thought that was, that was always a powerful thing. I thought, you know, it, it just let, let the person know who, you know, gee, I kind of feel like I'm an Island out here. I'm all alone. No, you're not. The rest of us are here with you. And, and like you say, probably most of us are hurting just, just as bad as you're hurting too. So I'm glad you, you yelled that out and we can all kind of come together as a class. Yeah, absolutely. Tamara, you have a question for Terry? Well, it's just been such a pleasure talking to you. Very motivational man. Um, you know, I was girl. I was a, a high school cheerleader for basketball, but being a medium, a professional medium, <laughs> just as an observer of this this conversation, you both are so highly intuitive and highly tapped in to the higher realm, truly. And just hearing his 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 the strength and power behind his voice of being of assistance in this planet, do you think that's all of our life purposes? to be of assistant in what every gift you have and talent. And sometimes it does, you know, you do kind of can pick it up and start all over. And I just admire men that can do that. You know, I, I've had many different careers over my lifetime. I met Ryan in college as an art student. I didn't know I was going to be working with police officers on cases and using my divine intuition. But it's just been fascinating to listen to you because you're so very similar. And Ryan needed you tonight, Terry. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> Ryan's been just, you know, you guys are both so similar in your personalities. So it's just been a pleasure to hear your your strength and motivation. And, yes, being a medium and working with people, you know, on those, you know, through through that most uh, painful experience, you're, you're right. 
We're all, you know, none of us are getting out of here alive. So have that best, you know, if you feel like something served its purpose and you want to create something new with your life, you know, do it. And I just, I, I think that's what the audience is really going to get from this the most because we all have to kind of reinvent ourselves right now, right, with everything that's been going on in the world. And people get so stuck in that crap of this is all I am. And we're, we're coming into a time of like, no, you brought lots of stuff. And, you know, you are of assistance in many ways in the planet. And for you, Terry, to be able to motivate people right now is just so very needed. So it, it sounds like that's the best, you know, thing you can be doing right now for everybody. Thank you. Thank you for your You're, you're welcome. Well, and, and thank you. Thank you for your support. I mean, I think it's one of those things where when people ask me, you know, like that point guard on my team did, you know, what is my purpose or what should I do? A lot of times I'll, I'll say to him, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do this, but it scares me. And, and, and if I could say one thing to everybody out there, if there are things that you feel you're being drawn to or that you, you should pursue, but they scare you, do them. Do absolutely do them. Because I can promise you at the end of your life, you will not be regretful of the things that you did you'll be regretful of the things that you didn't do. Oh, I should have tried that. I should have asked that person out. I should have wrote that book. I should have done whatever. And, and, you know, I look today, you know, Tom Brokaw wrote that book about the greatest generation, about the, the, the people in World War II, you know, the, the 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids who went and gave their lives because it was, you know, what can I do to help? And I see so much today, and, and Ryan, you probably saw the same thing in law enforcement. It's more today, what's in it for me? You know, what can I get out of it? And, and that's, that's the wrong message. You know, it, it, you need to be saying, you know, where can I help? Because I promise you, and, and as you know, and Tamara, it sounds like as you know as well, it's, it's helping people makes you a better person. It doesn't do anything to detract from you, even if those people don't want your help, even if those people say, you know, get lost. I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You know what? I tried, and that's all I can do. You know, kind of like being a hostage negotiator, there were many times where, not many times, but there were some times where you would talk to somebody for a couple hours, and the, the result was that they decided to end their life. And I never lost any sleep over that because I knew I did the best that I could to help them on that night. I didn't put them in that situation, but I did my best, you know, usually at two or three or four o'clock in the morning to try to help them out of that. And if you choose, you know, to exit this world, that's your choice. And that's on you. That's not on me. Sure. Yeah. Um, It kind of leads us up to the last principle. Uh, you, You mentioned the most important word in any language. What is that? Love, L-O-V-E, you know, and, and, and I think guys, especially, you know, probably Ryan, like you and I, you know, we're, we're cops, you know, we're tough, you know, we're talk about love and stuff like that, you know, and, and but it, it is so ridiculous. And, and I, I, I mentioned uh, the, the definition of success that, that coach Wooden um, had, had developed years ago. And, and as great as a basketball coach as he was, um, he developed the, 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 the 10 uh, the, and it's, it's a whole building block of things for, for a, a, a quality life. And, you know, he's, I, I remember hearing an interview with him, he's, you know, they were asking about, you know, well, you know, what's the most important thing, you know, and they were, it was kind of an X's and O's interview where they were talking about, you know, strategy and stuff like that. And here's this great tactician and strategist and coach and they, they ask him, you know, like, what, what's the most important thing? And that's, that's what he said, love. Love is the most important thing. Love yourself. Love your players. You know, love the people in your lives. Love the people who don't want to be loved. And love the people who you don't want to love. And I think if we do that, you know, you can't go wrong with that. And, and it, it doesn't matter how tough or masculine or whatever you are, you need to be a person of love. You need to be a person that is willing to give of yourself. And I think a lot of cops, most cops, you know, I think you, if you, if you stay in the job long enough, you know, if you're in it because you want to, you know, kick ass and take names, you're, you're in it for the wrong reason. You know, you you want to make a difference. You want to love people and help them to the best of your ability. And, you know, 
as, as Ryan knows, you, you know, you're expected to resolve a situation in 10 or 15 or 20 minutes that has been festering for 20 years. And, yeah. and that's not realistic, you know, and, but, right. but you do right. the best you can with what you have. Exactly. That's Terry, right. where can Ryan, people pick right. up your book? Um, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on barnesandnoble.com. You can get it on Apple iBooks. Uh, it's, it's available all those places. Uh, if you go to my website, motivationalcheck.com, there's a link that you can click on. It'll take you right to the Amazon site. And if your listeners do get it, if they wouldn't mind after they read it, going on Amazon and uh, leaving me a review, I would greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. The book is Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. And, Terry, I think we could tell stories for another hour or two. uh, (laughs) I've enjoyed this so much, so much. This hour went by so fast. It did, and and I appreciate you you letting me be part of this with you, and and hopefully uh, the three of us have put a little bit more love back into the world. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Terry. You take care. Thank you. You both Thank do the you, same. Terry. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, once again, Tamara, we wrap up saying we have the best guests, and this hour went Ooh. by so fast. It, it did. <laughs> this hour I went by so that fast. That guy in the right career as a motivational speaker, I feel like I could get up and, like, I don't know, do some laundry or something. I, I don't know, write a book. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty jacked up right now. He's got such (laughs) positive energy and great, great, um, just just a great analogy of everything, you know, we've been talking about lately with several of our guests on the show. And it just, it was a powerful show for a Monday. Absolutely. You know, if we would have had more time to talk, I would have talked a little bit about the the kind of department he was in, obviously, which was a massively large department, uh, police department, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and the type of department that I'm I was in, which was, you know, basically the the size of the whole city I worked for was probably the size of the department that he worked for. (laughs) But 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 I talked to a lot of uh, officers in bigger cities and they all say the same thing i say you know to be in a small town your backup may be 45 minutes away you've got to talk to some of these people who want to kick the crap out of you and you've got to talk them down and and i'm sure we would have gotten into how he's hostage negotiating uh, you know and and all of those experiences that he had but uh it, it just goes to show that that you know the big departments and the small departments you got the same problem. Sometimes the small departments they just uh, are a little little more spread out over time, but uh, you know those those big departments uh, they've got all the all the problems that the small departments do, and the small departments have all the problems that the big departments do. Right, and it's such a big so brother, you know. Right, well, I yeah. can't imagine. You know, being in a small department, you just don't have the backup, you in emotional support. You know, what a what a hard thing. To do, and that's why I just, you know, revere military and officers and EMTs, and they are truly the heroes of our planet, right? To be able to go where and and give assistance to humanity in such a way, you know, you know, he, he said it best: love is the answer. You have, you know, it, it, it's the wrong ones that get in because they want to kick ass and take names. And I think, you know, this year in in our country, we've exposed that, but there's so many heroes. And uh, I think this is a great show to get that that message and remind each other of how powerful, um, you know, being of assistance in in such a manner is, you know. But yet, you know, it can it can take its toll to to really gotta love what you do, do what you love, and you never work a day in your life, right? There you go. Very well said. Uh, coming up on Wednesday, folks, we'll talk with Patricia Payton about physical intelligence. And uh, I'm still looking for a guest for Friday, so uh, we gotta we gotta fill that spot. Okay, Tamara, when are you heading back to Nashville after after Christmas, right? Right after Christmas, right after Christmas, right? if, if the universe aligns it, right? I mean, that's my goal, <laughs> that's my intention, but we're just going with the flow here in these weird times. So yeah, I'm enjoying every bit of Wisconsin as I'm here. 
Excellent. Wonderful. We'll have to get together for lunch again sometime soon. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Ryan, for booking us such Thank a lovely you. guest. Best Another great one. Him and his family. Yep, absolutely. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Bye, Ryan. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Ryan Lindsay Show. Visit RyanLindsayShow.com for more information 